Welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm your host, Laura Giles from Pan Society, and we're here to help make modern animism more accessible to the average bear. Thanks for being here. I had a um, discussion on Clubhouse last week, and that is something that we're going to be doing uh, regularly. We're kind of moving it around to find the sweet spot of what works best for people. So if you want to join us there, see us on Clubhouse, uh, or if you need an invite to Clubhouse, send me your um, phone number and I will send you one. That's how invitations happen. And hope to see you so that we can have a conversation. So our last one, uh, some things came up about death and dying, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's take a moment to give gratitude to the ancestors and the elements. And before I do that, I want to explain what I'm doing and why, because we have new listeners all the time. So basically, everything is sacred. And when you want to kind of section off a time and a place to really sink into that sacred space and be in that sacred energy, we just do it by... Well, there's lots of different ways that we can do it. And that's what I'm doing here. So to kind of get me in the headspace, to bring you in that headspace with us too, so that we know that we're talking about something that is not just a normal conversation, but spirit-led. So I'd like to acknowledge and thank the element of Earth for all our sensuous, wonderful things that surround us every day. The stars, caves, bears, dragonflies, honeysuckle, and everything that helps to sustain our physical existence. Thank you, Earth. Acknowledge and thank the element of air for all the amazing things we can't see, like the inspiration that helps us create new things, the breath that sustains our lives, imagination that makes life fun, discernment, and communication to keep us connected to each other, and the other side of the veil. Acknowledge and thank the element of fire for our power, desire, and the responsibility that keeps things in check. Thank you for the passion that keeps us moving and vibrant with energy. I acknowledge the element of water. Water is life. Thank you for helping us to flow, go deep, feel, and explore our intuitive side, dig into the shadows, and help us renew. I acknowledge and thank our loving, helping ancestors from the human, plant, animal, mineral, and spirit kingdoms. And I thank you for all the help that we receive that is both seen and unseen. Thank you to our listening community for being here today. I appreciate your support, your donations. If you'd like to donate, you can do that on our website at pansociety.net. And if you'd like to help us put our cash strapped, please consider reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing to our YouTube channel. That helps us to get better placements so we're seen by more people. And thank you to everybody who's already done that. And if you have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Our mission is to um, make animism accessible, and your questions help us to bridge that gap. So we need to hear from you. We can't really talk about what you need if you don't speak out. And it's actually a great um, thing because we have talked about death and dying before, um, but we didn't ever talk about this particular aspect of it, and I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for the clubhouse chat. So we really do need you to participate. Um, you need to let yourself be seen. Let us know what you what you want. So thank you for for doing that. So we're talking about dying rituals, death rituals, funeral rituals, that kind of thing. Um, and what I'm going to do today is kind of read from the um, 
singing pouch book. So I wrote a book earlier this year, last year I guess it was, uh, it's a children's book, something that really happened with the death of my grandmother, and um, if you haven't seen it, it's called The Singing Pouch, available on Amazon, and I'm going to kind of explain the death and dying in funerals from an animist perspective, from my culture mostly, based on the book, okay? So it starts out, ancestor, ancestor calling to you, ancestor, ancestor, hear me true. Lola is gone. Please take her home into the other world. Ancestor, ancestor, I love you. Ancestor, ancestor, I need you. My heart is breaking. I can't go on. Help me, help me, please. So what's happening here, Lola's already died. This is afterwards, and you have pictures of women who are keen. And they're always women because life is the light. Light is the masculine. Death is dark. Dark is women, the feminine. And that's why the women came, because they're the ones that the crone is the one that ushers you into the other world. So they're singing, and this is the song that they're singing. This song was actually on Facebook, or not Facebook, on YouTube too. If you look under the songs playlist, you'll see it there. So what it is is, is in our tradition, what happens is, is you just have this beat, and then people just will sing whatever's on their mind, and it might be a wailing and a talking about grief it could be a story about their life it could be just about their feeling in the moment it could be about uncertainty it could be about anything but it's a way of contacting your feelings and expressing yourself in the community and the company of others so that you're supported in your grief and in that process of whatever that death means to you and sometimes they're funny sometimes they're sad everything is permitted it's just your truth so um, when the women are singing, they're generally dressed in black. They're all from the same culture. Um, they look like they're in a trance and they could be crying. There could be people around them who are crying. And this, the drumming and the rhythmic, um, cadence of it all kind of, so the whole time, funerals last days often. And the whole time when this is going, you're kind of moving in and out of trance, in and out of this world, in and out of the next. So it's kind of the whole process. Of, it's it's liminal space. And you're open, you're vulnerable, anything can happen. So there are lots and lots of rituals around death, dying, the funeral itself, to keep you protected, to keep everybody protected. For example, when um, a person dies, there's a lot of rituals designed to keep them from re-entering the body. Um, so things like how the body is carried out of the house, when that happens. Mirrors have something to do with that. Um, covering the mirrors, um, tying the toes, maybe the body's burned immediately or buried immediately. Though All of those things have to do with making sure that that is a clean cut. Because sometimes the dead don't know they're dead. Um, everybody doesn't see the light and doesn't have all these near-death experiences kind of things. It could just be a segue and it just seems kind of normal, like waking up in the morning. Everybody doesn't process death the same. So they need to be cues to let them know, oop, time to go, buddy. And having a funeral is one of them. So when you have culturally prescribed funeral rituals and then you show up at a funeral, you see your body in a casket, you're like, oh shoot, I must be dead. That's kind of a way of doing that. Um, another thing that, that we, why we have these rituals is because it's to help the living to let go. 
because they might be, you know, one of the one of the stages of death and dying is denial. And they might be trying to pull the, the, the deceased back. So when you're dealing doing all this wailing, that's another way of keeping them from re-entering the body, all the wailing. And um, sometimes people die and these funerals, because they're so elaborate, they have so much food, There's there's could be sacrifices, there could be all kinds of things, parades and it's a big thing it's like a wedding very expensive and grand but if the family doesn't have money for that then um, the body is wrapped up and they're treated like they're still alive intended so they're fed they're talked to they're interacted with for days weeks months could be even a year until the family can afford a huge send-off so you have to have this music and dancing and rituals and lots and lots of guests for many days because that energy helps the dead to make the transitions. It's the last form of respect that you can give your loved ones. It's it's um, it's like you want to give your daughter a big wedding. It's like you want to give your loved one a big send off because all of that energy, like I said, in the in the in between, they don't have energy. They get their energy from the living. And from the ancestors so you have to the more that you cry the more energy that they have the more support that they have often they will have a depending on the culture paid mourners and if you've ever seen like you can YouTube this and you'll see like what it looks like if you ever hear anybody wail this is usually well there's two reasons to have paid mourners one is somebody who can really wail because it, it makes a certain sound and if you ever hear that sound even if you didn't know the deceased, every single bit of pain in you and every single bit of grief, every everything will just come out because if that sound just brings it out. And that's the point, is to get it out so that you don't carry it with you and to help the deceased cross over. The other reason for the um, paid mourners, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a status thing. So people that have more mourners and have more grief are more important people so it's kind of a way of saving face um, and it's also a way of letting the dead people know that they're dead again so they don't hang around you'll see lots and lots of traditions around that because dead person energy is considered unhealthy and some cultures don't speak the name of the deceased after the death to prevent the deceased from hanging around some get rid of all of their stuff you know, it's like if I ignored you and I threw away all your stuff, you're going to leave, right? It's the same thing. There's lots of regional practices that are for the purpose of moving the person along. So it varies. And the energy is just not healthy and vibrant. So even if the person was good and well-loved, it's unclean. It's not purified. Lots of rituals around that uncleaning and that, you know, cleansing and, and being purified. So dead energy is stagnant and it'll pollute people. So uh, lots of animist cultures have all kinds of rituals around purification, but not just around death, but every day. Every day there's purification rituals. So, um, okay, let's go back to the book. It says, Black shrouded figures wailed their grief in an improvised sorrow. Lola died and her family pleaded with the ancestors to take Lola's spirit home to the other world. So... Um, this is kind of, it says improvised sorrow so it, it is the feeling of the moment it's not pre-planned um, parts of it are ritualized and pre-planned but 
it's it's very spontaneous. It takes shape in the moment. And there are often spirits from the other world here because the veil is thin and it has to be for death to happen. So right here it just happened and um so there's an interaction between the living and the dead. It's so totally appropriate to call to the ancestors right now and for them to be here. And um the elders are the ones that, that tend to lead. Family might keen too, but keening is a sacred duty to keep the community healthy, so it's often led by ancestors and or elders and professional mourners. Next page says Lola's fondest memory was picking peaches on her on the farm with her father. Her last wish was to be buried beside him in the countryside where she grew up. So after she was cremated, her ashes were sent there for burial. So this talks about honoring the dying wishes of the person. And it speaks to how the dead can't or maybe they might not rest in peace if these wishes are not honored. So this is something that you really need to understand because I know in our culture they're like, oh, she's dead. She doesn't know the difference. And you'll have lawsuits and stuff around what what you think the dead person wanted to happen with their assets which can sometimes be legitimate you know but if you don't honor the wishes of the dead then they can not rest in peace so it's in animus cultures it's really really important um, it's really important not to kill people too because of the same thing you don't want to have some crazy spirit raging against you you know what I'm saying so Okay, uh, next page says, Lola left Lilibeth, her favorite granddaughter, a lock of her hair in a pouch. She chose Lilibeth as a spirit tender to watch over her during her transition to the other world. So there is, um, so this happens when, when the person's still alive. They just, they choose the person as the spirit tender, and the spirit tender is the one who kind of goes through the whole journey with them. So in the beginning, it's the family, it's the loved ones. They do the three-day thing. Some people might mourn longer, go to the cemetery, tend the grave, and, and things like that for as long as their grief lasts. And then there's a mourning period. It's different for different cultures. It could be 30 days, 40 days, 90 days, a year. Those are the typical ones. Sometimes it's two years. And then you have cultures where it's as long as it takes. Um, and the it's as long as it takes part means it takes as long as it takes to get to the other world. Some people linger. The spirit tender will stay with that person and tend them in the in that in-between journey okay so it's generally not um, talked about and chosen you just kinda know somebody in the family will do it it's generally not in like it is in the story a child either because it's a grown-up responsibility but the spirit tender will like in some cultures they will visit the grave every day and they're going to cry every day and they're going to kind of step away from society because they're in the polluted form and they'll be wearing black so they can't really be out in society like everybody else and you don't want everybody doing this so it's this the one person and they'll do that until the transition is complete so back to the book it says the leaders said little Beth will be able to hear her grandmother's voice singing through the pouch little Beth could also sing to her Lola's voice would go fainter as time passed and her journey on the other world was complete. So this is symbolizes that um, there is there's contact between the in in cultures where there is not set not a set time and there's it takes as long as it takes. You kind of have to know where they are in the process. 
and there's different ways that people do that. So in some bone collecting cultures, they'll dig up the bones and look at the, the, the status of the bones. If the bones are clean then and white, then they passed over and um, they're in a good place and then they will rebury them, have a second funeral and now everything is complete and everybody can rest in peace. If you dig them up and they're not clean and they're black, then the spirit tender has to keep singing and praying and doing all these things to make sure that they get there okay. So you're going to wait until those bones are clean, you know, the, the flesh has deteriorated and the bones look a certain way. Um, and another thing that they'll do is is the story, uh, the elders are going to sit around the fire telling um, stories, like hero stories, legends, explaining how the world worked. And and that is a magic time that binds you to your people in your history. People are your tribe and you all belong to each other. You share a common history, language, and beliefs. And this is the time where you tell those stories and you kind of integrate those people if they haven't already been integrated into your tribal culture. So the storytelling is a way to keep them alive and to feed their their memory. Uh, back to the book. The problem was Lilibeth couldn't hear anything. She wondered if she'd done something wrong. Maybe Lola was mad at her. Maybe Lola didn't really want Lilibeth to be her spirit tender. That night Lilibeth had a dream. She saw a baby crying. Daddy was in the nearby in another room, but she couldn't hear her. So nobody wanted to check on her. The infant just cried and cried. Lilibeth awoke feeling uneasy. She told Daddy about her dream, and Daddy was afraid that it meant trouble, so he went to see the spirit walker. So what this is speaking to is that spirits do talk to us in dreams, and that's that's kind of one of the ways that they let us know how they're doing. And in a lots of animus cultures, if not all animus cultures, dreaming is a way of speaking to your intuition, to the other side, to God. So a dream like this would be very, very significant. Uh, it would make you feel uneasy. And dream time is like, it's a magical place outside of time. So if you're saying, hey, hey, something's wrong, then you know you're going to listen to that. And, it, and the reason why it's a child in this story is because children and elders are closer to death. So they don't have the barriers to the other side that adults might. And you see that everybody respects the dream and they're not treating her like she's a child. It's like, ooh, there's something to this. They're taking it seriously. Okay. So back to the book. The spirit walk appeared into the other world to see what was wrong. It seemed that Lola was not moving on. Her spirit was lingering in the land between this world and the other world. So two points here. Spirit walker is what I'm calling what we generally speak of as shaman, and I've said this a tons of times, so you you already know if you know me that I don't use the word shaman because it's not generic. That belongs to a specific culture, describes what they do. There's lots of different ways that this energy shows up in different cultures, and the generic term for that is spirit walker. Spirit, that's what they do. They walk in the spirit world. This is not a place that just anybody can go just because you feel like it. Um, you can meditate, you can do all kinds of things in the um, other world, but not spirit walking. So um, the other point between uh, of this passage is that, and I've said this before, is that death is a process. It's not like, boom, you're dead, and now you're over there. So with the spirit lingering in the land between this world and the other world, that's what that 30 days, 40 days, 90 days a year 
that's that process. It's like you can talk to people here, you can kind of do what you do over there, but you're not really here or there. It's very much a liminal space. And the next page says, Daddy's stomach churned. Could this be true? They always said prayers, sang songs, offer forgiveness, and sent love to the dead. They wanted them to go to the other world in peace. Spirits could not be ancestors if they're unhappy, scared, or angry. In search for answers, the family traveled across the sea to Lola's childhood home where Lola died. So the important piece here is how you help the, the deceased get to the other world. So prayers songs offering forgiveness and sending love if you ever watched um princess mononoke when the boar comes and ravages the village and then is killed they could be upset with the boar dirty nazi boar but they don't do that they forgive the boar they send him love and send him peace because they know that a spirit that is not restful and peaceful and happy can cause problems nobody wants that that's part of what helps the person become an ancestor so there's rituals if you know that a person is dying or even afterwards that the spirit walker does to help that person um, pass over in a clean way and a, a healthy way and a joyous way and the community will help them to do that too because nobody wants that dirty energy coming back uh, and they don't want it cycling back into the next generations so this is really, in my opinion, the whole function of a spirit walker at the funeral and the whole community, too. It's about forgiveness, letting go. Whatever happened, let that stuff go. Now, we talk a lot about um, intergenerational trauma and people not dying resolved and how that stuff gets passed down. So when somebody dies, you could die clean and your stuff dies with you. But that's not how we do it because we don't have funerals. We don't have these cleansing rituals. We don't have forgiveness. And so I got all this garbage in me that's not mine. Okay, now what do I do with that? Well, as a trauma therapist, I'm always about going back to the source. When we do past life regressions, that's what we're doing. We're going back to the first lifetime where this thing happened so we can heal it at the seed. When we're doing intergenerational trauma, um, soul law, any of that kind of spirit stuff, we're going back to when it happened so that we can get it at the seed. So let's say that my uh, mom had some stuff. Let's say she's an alcoholic and um, she it's not about healing nothing and she did not die resolved. It's like, well, what can I do now? If I have that in me, I can heal it in me because it doesn't really matter. So there's timeline work too. Lots of people do timeline work and it doesn't matter where you heal something in the timeline if you pull it all out it'll pull it all out from the entire timeline and that means yours from every life that you've ever had that means um, anything that you've passed down to other people now the tricky piece about that is is sovereignty so let's say my sister um, so I, I, I am trying to clean up the alcoholism in my family and I, I do my own work okay so I pull out that thread and my sister, who also has it, and I'm totally making this up if, if my sister's listening, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay, so um, my sister could be like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not, don't you judge me. I'm not, you know, or whatever. And she's like, I'm not, I'm just not doing it. You can do that because of sovereignty. So you can't heal somebody against their will. Um, it is totally a self-serving thing if you're trying to heal your parents or your ancestors because you want to get rid of it and, and save your kids from it. You can't save somebody who doesn't want to be saved. 
And you don't have the permission to, honestly. It's a violation of their sovereignty. All you can do is your own stuff. For everybody who's listening, uh, there's one thing you get from it is just to do your stuff. Clean, clean, clean. Every single day we are in the process of picking up junk and hopefully letting go junk. You see lots and lots of hoarders. I think that, you know, as within, so without. If you got a bunch of junk in your house, you got a bunch of junk inside. So inhale, exhale. Let stuff go every day. Have a purification ritual every day. If you're showering, let that be it. And not only wipe the, the stuff off of your body, but let the stuff go from the day. What are you holding on to? Was somebody upset with you in traffic? Let it go. Every single day I work with people on little teeny tiny stuff that they thought that was insignificant. So be careful what you do because you don't know what kind of uh, imprint that you're making on people. So, for example, if somebody makes fun of you and, you know, they call you names. Oh, you're stupid. Oh, you're fat. That can have an impact on the rest of somebody's life. I definitely have clients with eating disorders. That happened. So I'm 11 years old. Somebody says, oh, she's cute, but she's kind of chubby. And now I have an eating disorder. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So if that happens, you're 11 years old, somebody here says that, let that hurt go then so that it doesn't grow into a seed that manifests as something horrible later on. Do this every day. You think it doesn't matter. All those little things that you can never quite get those little memories out of your mind that seem like, you know, I don't really feel sad when I think about that. I don't know why I think about that. It just pops up every now and then. Those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking of. If you need help with that, I'm here to help. I, I do it every day. Let me know. Okay, next page says, Daddy's stomach churned. Could this be true? Oh, I already did that page. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, when they arrived, it appeared the spirit walker was right. The ground was not disturbed. Lola's ashes had not been buried. The cemetery caretaker insisted that he buried her, but their eyes confirmed that it was not true. What could they do? Um, this is a situation that we're in quite a lot because of the changing times and the and the people not living where they their ancestors live. It's hard to keep track of stuff like that. Lola's old school and the new and the old are changing. People are unscrupulous. If you're not looking after people and you don't know that something was done, you don't know that it was done. And so if you have spiritual problems, I would look at that. You never know. You know, was there... What what last rites or last wishes were not honored? You know, look at that. It could be a thing. Uh, the next page says, Mama shook her head and said to Lilibeth, Some people think the dead don't know or care about their bodies, so funerals, burials, and honoring the dead is meaningless. They show no respect. Lilibeth might have been just a little girl, but even she knew the dead needing tending to complete the transition to become ancestors. Our ancestors love and care for the living. This is why Ancestor Day is a time to clean the graves and tell their stories, remembering keep it keeps the bond between the living and the dead strong. So that's really kind of in a nutshell, explains to people what's going on. This is why we have Ancestor Day, so that we can all do this as a community. But it's important for people to do it individually, to honor their own spirit, to make them feel good, and to make the people on the other side feel good too. So... Um, they support us. We support them. It's a circle of life. So children, adults, elders, ancestors. And then that just keeps going around and around and around. It's a continuity. A connection of the generations. And um, as I said, you can tell how 
well somebody is in spirit by half-ass IDK. And that's environmentally to what, what's going on in the environment. Um, the next night, Lilibet's dream returned. She saw a baby sitting alone and crying. Fire flew from her eyes in all directions. When they returned home, Daddy said, I'll go see the spirit walker. He's, she's our only hope. The thought of Lola being stuck between worlds was unbearable. They had, tried, had to try to help her. The spirit walker said that she would go to the other world to persuade Lola to move on, but she needed Lilibet to go with him. Would she do it? So one of the jobs of the spirit walker is to tend to the needs of the dead as well. They are an in-between person. So if you have any kind of spiritual problems, you think that the fairies are doing something, any anything that's not in the apparent world. So it doesn't have to be somebody who's dead. It could be any any kind of thing. That's a spirit walker's job. Uh, let's see. The spirit walker said he would go to the other world to persuade Lilibet to move on, but he needed, oh, I just said that, needed Lilibet to go with him. Would she do it? Lilibet was scared. Nobody but the spirit walker ever went to the other world, but if she was going with her, Lola, she would do it for Lola. After giving offerings to the spirits for their help and protection, the spirit walker began to sing and sway. A magical mist rolled in. The room disappeared into a haze, and Lilibet found herself in a mysterious, shadowy place. So... Um, people don't go to the other world. It's a dangerous and uh, unpredictable place. Think of, think of everything you know about liminal space. Who goes there voluntarily? Nobody. So it's not something that um, people volunteer to do. And the reason why the spirit walker is asking Lola to go because it's the elder, it's the it's the duality of the elder and the child. So you both have wisdom, both have uh. Innocence, they're both closer to the other world. So in lots and lots of stories, you will see this uh, match of wisdom. And a lot of time people think that kids don't have wisdom. They think that fools don't have wisdom. But these are, it's like tricky wisdom. And, and when you're going to the other world, you want to take whatever you can. You want to make sure there's lots of protection because it is not a safe place. So people who is like, oh, I'm going to be a shaman. Let me go do this. Da, 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 da. I'm like, y'all kind of crazy. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, you could really, really get into some trouble. So that's all I'll say about that. Uh, the book continues. After giving offerings to the spirit for their help. Oh, I just said that too. I got to scroll better. <laughs> okay. Dark, hazy figures appeared and floated by without seeming to see Lilibeth. She clutched the spirit walker tighter as they moved on. After traveling for what seemed like a long way, they saw her. Lilibeth knew her right away. Lola looked like the little girl that Lilibeth had seen in old pictures. She was the girl in her dreams. So, um, people on the other side don't always look like they did in death. We can choose how we want to look. Usually, they're going to choose to look like um, the time in their life where they felt the best the most attractive, the most vibrant. In this case, she uh, appears as a baby because she's acting like one. So, And she feels like one. Um, okay, the story goes on. But this little girl had a terrible temper. She thrashed and cried. Fire flew from her eyes, threatening to burn anyone who came near her. The spirit walker looked at Lola and calmly said, If you want to go on, you have to pay the fee. Lola didn't want to move on. She wanted to be angry. Besides, she didn't have the fee anyway. Lola was determined to vent her fury no matter the outcome. So spirits, when they're not crossed over yet, are just as emotional and petty and small as people are in life. 
So it's not like you die and you become a saint. It's a process. It's a, there's a cleaning that goes on and, and you become more, mm, your perspective changes, let's put it that way, and you don't hold on to the petty stuff. But there is a, a cleansing process that happens first. And so when you have ghosts and earthbounds and all that stuff, they could be nasty. They could be temperamental. And this is why they have all of these rituals and things to make sure that they move on because they can wreak havoc. So no Ouija boards, no calling your dead people. If you don't know who you're talking to, don't talk to them. Okay. To onto the book. Lilibeth had an idea. When Lilibeth was a baby and Mama wanted to call her down, she sang to her. So that's what Lilibeth did. She began to sing the song that Lola sang to her son and Daddy sang to Lilibeth. Suddenly, the fire stopped flying. Lola calmed down and then she smiled. In that instant, Lola turned into a golden ball of light that began floating upward. Bees appeared and escorted the ball of light up, up, up until they disappeared into the mist. What happened? Lilibeth asked. She paid the fee. The spirit walker replied. She forgave the caretaker and let her anger go. So the light is Lola making a transformation from the in-between to spirit form. In legends, bees carry the messages from the spirit world to the human world. When someone dies, you have to tell the bees. So they're now telling the other world that Lola's coming. And again, to be clean and, and peaceful and resolved, we need to forgive. And if you don't forgive well in the flesh, you may have trouble forgiving well when you're in spirit. So if this is not something that is comfortable or habitual for you, I would suggest getting some practice with that now. Because it's not an instantaneous, easy process. And if you don't have people who are doing these rituals and things for you, then it could be yucky. You know, how many of us have, have been born into to families that are yucky, got lots and lots of baggage? We can avoid this by dying clean. Uh, the book goes on. As Lilibeth and the spirit walker retraced their path back home, she began to hear the faint sound of music. She did. Lola was singing from her pouch. Just like everyone said, over time it got harder to hear until it faded away completely. On that day, she buried the pouch. Everyone celebrated the creation of a new ancestor. So that's basically in a nutshell the process. Um, grief ends. The transition between life and death ends. So, um, but, so there's still the honoring of the ancestors after that. It's just not, we're not in the liminal space anymore. So one of the ways that people do this, and this is actually um, after the funeral, is if there's a cremation, they will eat the ash and bones of the dead to keep their energy within them, to, to kind of recycle it. Um, another way to do that is to bury the corpse on your own land. So when the decomposition happens and the energy goes into the soil, the soil um, grows things where you have food and trees and all of this thing and continues to nourish you and your family. So there's this sense of recycling and keeping the people in um, at least the, the environment or in the family in some kind of way. And I talked about digging up the dead. Uh, in some cultures that happens annually, there's a festival where you dig up the dead and you parade them around and they take part in, on, in, in everything that you're doing. And sometimes it's not digging up the dead. Sometimes you just kind of do this in effigy. Um, so that's, that's more like the cultures that are more modern. 
and sometimes it's every six or seven years where this happens so it's, it's not every year sometimes the first digging up doesn't happen until the, the flesh has decomposed so a year or two later um, some only dig it up once after the flesh has decomposed completely or after they think that it has and this is to satisfy uh, the living that the dead has moved on and 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 it changes the way that we honor the spirits so during that year or two or six or however long it lasts you have a spirit tender because the deceased is in the in-between state so uh, we talk about ancestor shrines but every culture doesn't have a shrine and everyone isn't an ancestor particularly if you're from the western culture so dying doesn't absolve you make you good wise or worthy of being an ancestor to be an ancestor is to have a relationship with the living so it's a duty in a way and it's a love bond in a way if you're dead die mean confused hateful or without rituals they could stay in that in-between state and pollute your house your community themselves so they're not going to be in the shrine shrine is for people who is who are resolved or, or when we are speaking to our ancestors we're not talking to the whole family tree we're talking to resolved people people who are well dead people who can contribute to our lives um, that's what I'm talking about now you can do rituals for the ones that aren't and I, I highly recommend that you do pray for them I highly recommend that you do do rituals for them but we're not really considering them ancestors now um, in animist cultures the tribal animist cultures everybody's an ancestor because everybody gets to die well because you have those rituals and you make sure of it today um, we don't we have to make a distinction because that's not quite true so I know somebody who had pancreatic cancer and died in a lot of pain and she was all alone and then somebody else moved into her apartment and started getting sick really fast she just went just went straight downhill and it was because the first lady's spirit and energy was still there she, she hadn't moved on and it was the same sick depressed energy that she had when she was alive so they tried to help the old lady move on, but they end, basically they ended up moving instead. So the other woman's health immediately improved. And this is the type of things that happen when the dead aren't well tended and don't cross over in a good way. So if you're in a space and you're just like, oh, this feels awful. It doesn't feel good in here. Trust that. Get out. Do something. Um, I was in a haunted house once. We were there for a, a weekend seminar on spooky things. And... Um, it's an old house that was not in use. It was just rented out for that particular uh, event. And I went upstairs and it just had an awful smell. It smelled like plumbing. And it's an old house. It's not in use. <clears throat> so I just thought it was the plumbing. Well, the next day when we went in, um, the smell had shifted. It wasn't in the same room. It wasn't anywhere near a bathroom. And that was like, I was like, okay, that wasn't a toilet that's something else that's the kind of things that I'm talking about yeah because sometimes what's putrid smells putrid too so um, tending the shrine is everybody's responsibility but it usually falls primarily to one person and there's one per household and the ancestors of the husband cannot be in the same shrine as the wife's so you don't need any special skills to talk to your own ancestors just call out to them just like I do at every show and they'll listen to you because they're invested in you but like anything the more you put into it the more you get out of it so the more you know about these people the more that they're real people to you the more that they're like personalities instead of just some some dead person in my family tree um, you're gonna have a deeper connection 
And there's always people who have a deeper connection to spirit, get clearer messages and that sort of thing. And I don't mean like they're mediums because they don't talk to all spirits on demand. Maybe they just hear the ones they have a relationship with or those of the family line. But I do know that uh, the more that you put into it, the clearer that it will be, the more that you will know how they talk to you. And certain people will do it a certain way. Like I have lots of people who say, you know, oh, when I see this particular bird, it could be a robin. That's a sign for my mom. Or uh, I said this on Clubhouse the other day. I had a friend who um, said that there was a coyote that walked up in his backyard and just sat there and looked at it, which is kind of a strange thing for a coyote in the suburbs to do. And he said that he knew that it was somebody, a spirit of somebody who had died. So those are the kinds of like signs that I'm talking about. Or you may get them in dreams. Or you may get them when I see this number that I know that this is a particular person. Or when I hear this song, I know that it's a particular person. So those kinds of things. That's what I'm talking about with having a relationship. You just know how how you are together. So um, some, like I said, some cultures don't have shrines. Their dead are in the house maybe or nearby on the land or they're up somewhere where, where all of the dead people are kept. Um, or they you just talk to them on holy days and or ancestor festivals. So everybody does it differently. Um, so let's talk about some ideas on how to have an animus wake, funeral, and tend the dead. So for the wake, like I said, so the elaborate day long food, music, lots of crying, very social, tell stories. You want to take care of your guests, let your guests take care of you, do some purification rituals. I would do that like have lots of those at the beginning, middle, and because of that vulnerable time to keep from being possessed or cursed or just having any interference because you're vulnerable, you're open, and there's all kinds of energies um, going around. I would look at the traditions of your culture. What does the, the um, legend say of the place where you are? And if any of those speak to you, I'd incorporate that in. Uh, it's kind of hard to do these things that I'm talking about if you don't have a community. So like if you're only children, you have a real small family, you don't have a tribe. Kind of hard, right? So I, I would consider hiring a professional mourner. I would consider inviting anybody just to have that energy. Um, but it's also a vulnerable time and you don't want people like staring at you, laughing at you. So be careful about who you invite. It, like maybe if you know some other animus, you can just tell them that this is, this is what's happening for us. We're preparing for this. Um, we need some people. Can you assist? Or, or pagans at least, because they'll be more likely to understand and, and want to help out. One thing I do want to say is don't embalm. It's not good for the environment and keeps the body from decomposing. It is not legal. You don't have to embalm. You don't have to have all kinds of things. You don't have to have, um, what, I don't know what they call those caskets that are like perma caskets. You could do a pine box. I would go as natural as possible. Think about returning that energy to the earth um, so that it can cycle around. So washing the body is done at home. There's no funeral director involved. There is an organization. Uh, I w I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared for this, but there's an organization, you can find it online, that will tell you how to do this. To have a home wake, to have a home funeral, to have a burial uh, as natural as possible. So you want to keep it personal and close and natural for you and for them because it's going to be really, the more hands-on you are about it, the more healing it's going to be for you, the more final it's going to be from you for you and the more peace that you're going to have.
if you can do that. Some people are just like, I'm totally creeped out by death. I can't do that. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. But remember that it's the last service to the deceased in a way to honor them, give them respect, give them a good send off. Uh, not to say that it has to be elaborate like a wedding and real expensive. You can have a small, meaningful uh, celebration for sure. But I would at least do the dressing of the body. Um, and often that is done um, in a discreet but respectful way in front of everybody. So the more that you can include people, the better. There is a movie, it's called The Parchers. If you want to see what I'm talking about, it does a lovely, lovely job of translating that. So um, as much as possible, make people a part of it from the beginning to the end. And it's not, so it's not left for one person or a professional. I think the, the worst thing that you can do, not judging, um, I'll, I'll rephrase that. The worst thing that you could do for me, if I was a dead person, was to, it would be to hire it out and not have, have I want my people around me, even when I'm dead. I want you to take care of me. Um, don't, don't leave me in some cold box and have some funeral director and some person that I don't even know taking care of that. So I want the parade, I want the homecoming, I want the lavish thing of anybody who loves me. And even if that's only three people, then let's make it three people. But it's important for those three people to have that with me one last time. Um, so for the first year or whatever time period, the spirit center sings, mourns, tends the grave, and is responsible for making this, this making sure the deceased gets to the other side. Uh, I did that for my grandmother. It is at times um, a chore. Because life goes on. You don't want to do that. <laughs> and other times it's, it's very moving and it makes you closer. Uh, I was not close to this particular grandmother and it her dying it just shifted a ton of things in me about her, about family, about um, death. So I highly recommend being that that person and being as involved as you can. Uh, I would keep it as personal as possible. Have foods that you love, have symbols that you love, pictures if you like, no pictures if you don't like. Find out what your traditions have to say from the people in your indigenous past even if that's 500 years ago 2000 years ago find out what they did see what you can borrow see what will make it meaningful for you and i would um yeah start talking about that planning for that and and thinking about how you want to go there's all kinds of um novel ways of doing it in a way that's loving and uh personal so appreciate your feedback and comments and i love talking to y'all y'all should come on to clubhouse our next one is soon Sometimes soon. I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be once a week. So if you need an invite for that, um, let me know. I'll be glad to send you one. So thank you once again for being here. I'd like to send gratitude to all of you. The elements are loving, helping ancestors. And if you found this helpful, please consider donating to Pan Society because we do need your financial and emotional support. You can do that at the bottom of our website at pansociety.net. I'm Laura Giles for Modern Animism Radio. See you all next week. Ciao.